I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is Jeff Foster. He's AP government teacher at Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School, and he's going to share some details of his new book, For Which We Stand. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. What made you decide to write this book? I, I think just, um, you know, my kids are that age now where they're learning about governments. And obviously, you know, after, after the shooting at our school back in February, I was sort of Right. thrust into the spotlight with my own students at the time and it was really I mean I've taught government for 20 years but just sort of being on that stage at the at the state level and even the national level with with my kids um you know it, it really just just drove me to say you know it's time to get more civics education out there definitely everyone. yes um I want to mention to people that are watching this or listening to this it's been over two years since the shooting correct it has, February yeah. 14th, 2018, yes. And I want to read something that Emma Gonzalez, a former student and gun control advocate, wrote about this, about you. Uh, Mr. Foster is an incredible teacher, one who helped me and all his students by teaching us to understand how the government actually works, how we could work it, and how we could become active citizens who stand up for what we care about. You must be so proud of her as well as so many other students. Most definitely, yes. She, she's definitely done that for sure. And, um, you know, you, you saw in the last election, as we're, as we're still seeing as they continue to count, the massive impact that young people had in this election. You know, when we were watching the, uh, the Biden speech on Saturday night, my whole family, my two girls are nine and 14, and my wife was with me as well. Yeah. We saw a bunch of March for Our Lives shirts in Delaware that day, and we're like, wow, that, that all started at our high school. You know, I got the chills even talking about me it. Me too. I just did too, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's really, it's incredible when you think like that. And, um, you know, I'm still in touch with, with those kids and uh, yeah, they're still out there. They're trying and they, obviously they're, they have a big impact on social media and uh, right. to watch their just unmitigated joy celebration after the election was over. I mean, I was with them in 2018 after the, the midterms and uh, we weren't, I mean, you know, you're never going to be completely successful in everything you do, obviously in the political arena, but right. that night we were really pushing for a gubernatorial candidate and a Senate candidate to win the midterm in 2018 in Florida you know, just months after what happened at our school. Yes. And it was sort of the same night. It started off with, with the, the Democrats that night who most of the kids support leading in both races. And they were really excited. We were all at like a watch party together. And then both candidates came up short and um, just the air came out of the balloon that night. And, and the impassioned speeches they gave and the hugs we had to give to them saying like, listen, just because you lost this time doesn't mean you lost overall. You still made a major impact and you still have 50, 60, 70 years to impact yes. elections. In the political process so yeah just it, it keep nice going win yeah and just to keep going keep fighting yes for sure for sure because it's easy to stop no question right you know and, and that's really a big question that's going to happen after this election you know with these two major elections coming up in georgia still these senate elections they're going to determine who has control of the senate i'm really curious to see you know if the guy who currently holds the highest office of the land is still going to keep going because he'll have a major impact on who wins these two elections in Georgia. And if Trump decides to sort of go pout in a quarter and not put his support behind, you know, Purdue and Leffler, the two Republican candidates, there's a really good chance the Democrats could win for the first time ever a special election in, in the state of Georgia. Wow, that's huge. It could be. Right. And I love it you say, I put all this on my show blog, uh, by the way, which is getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. I have a quote from you. If, you don't, if you don't participate, you can't complain. Thank you, by the way. Yeah, that's I've always said that, you know, from from day one till, you know, from day one of me teaching until the day I, I, I pass away, I guess. Um, shouldn't laugh while I say that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, people like to, 
to bitch for lack of a better word. And, and it's impossible to, if you're going to stand on the sidelines and, and it, unfortunately a mantra that seems to exist in America a lot right now is that it is what it is. And that's basically just saying, eh, it happens. There's nothing I can do about it. And that's false when it comes to the political process. Yeah. We have the ability to make a difference. And I think it's imperative that not only do we participate at the presidential level, but all the local elections and everything else that goes on. Just last night, we had, uh, we're off school today because of the, the Hurricane Etta that's down in, the, in Key West that affected us. And our county was the last one to really react and let our teachers off today because of you know, the impact it was going to have on our virtual learning and our in-class learning. And I, I sort of, during the day, I was, I was voicing my opinion. And one of my friends got, reached out to me and says, the union's still working on it. And I said, well, they shouldn't have to work on it. It's the right thing to do. But ultimately, they did get through to the powers that be. And we were off today. And, right. you know, I mean, it's important to be safe, obviously, when a hurricane is around. But the fact that, it, you know, again, we didn't stand idly by. We pushed and pushed and pushed yeah. as a community to say, let's just, what's missing a Monday? We've already had a ridiculously strange year as it is. What's the difference if kids stay home? one more day today just to make sure that everybody's safe. And we did have 60 mile an hour winds overnight. There have been massive power outages down here. So, yeah. you know, they made the right decision, but again, it was us pushing to say, why are we even taking a chance at this point of going into school? And we made our voices heard and it, it worked. Good. Plus for me, I'm always talking about, uh, we're in a mental health pandemic. And I think people need to prioritize the mental health of the students and the teachers, right? Unfortunately, I've had, I've had a lot of experience with that through the last two and a half years. I mean, we, yeah. we've been dealing with that at our school on a, on, a, on a micro level, and now we're seeing it on a macro level. And no question. I mean, from, from myself to my family to every student I have to all the families in our community, and now all the families in the world, really. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to measure that. And, uh, right. and it's something, as we talk, as we know, as you know, as most people know by now, the stigma attached to mental health disease has always been negative, And now it's finally turning the corner, and people are actually starting to see that this is real. And I think as more people experience it, unfortunately, they're starting to realize it's, it's a legitimate thing. And it's being taken a lot more seriously by individuals and hopefully by the government as well. Sure. Well, I remember reading something, I think it was Time Magazine that said before March, we were in a mental health pandemic, but it was only a certain generation uh, that was speaking up that would come to work, let's say the millennials, and they would say, you know what, I need a day off, I need a mental health break. They weren't afraid to say that. But people that were older would never say that. They would no. just suck it up and deal with it and go to work. And now it's so imperative, especially when kids are feeling burnt out and depressed, being on Zoom so much. They can't do what they normally do. They've missed out on rituals in life, you know, mm -hmm. milestones. It's really hard. Yeah, and I, th I think it's, a, it's, it's important that, you know, again, this new generation recognizes it can happen to their children as well. You're right, because right. obviously the smaller you are, the less capacity you have to deal with things like that. So it's, it's, it really is, the word is imperative for parents to understand that it exists and deal with it at an early age. I mean, you know, for so long, therapy was, there was a stigma attached to therapy. Mm -hmm. And now, thankfully, there's a lot of people that are in the public, you know, sphere out there that are actually saying they've gotten better through therapists. And even people that you think are doing great, like a, a Howard Stern or a Jimmy Fallon or something like that, talk about openly going to therapists. And that's, that's awesome for us as a country, because it shows that you know, there's a reason those people have degrees and can help us, and we should right. take advantage of that. You bet. So I want to hold up your book, Yay. For Which We Stand. I wish I had this book when I was younger, Thanks. because I could not connect to history. I, I didn't enjoy the way it was taught. It was just, here's your textbook, read the stuff, try to answer these questions, and I would bomb. I couldn't comprehend all this stuff. I love how this book is laid out, you know, the illustrations and everything, 
tell me about the process of this. Yeah, first of all, you hit on it perfectly. I mean, I was trying to create a book that would teach young kids about civics and government, but also something they'd want to read. Because mm -hmm. I, I know as a teacher, the hardest thing we struggle with is to tell the kids, like, read the chapter on yeah. the presidency or read the chapter and taking nothing away from the textbooks that are out there. But obviously, they're big corporate textbooks and they're written in a manner for, you know, 100 years now. And they continue to go that same way. Well, this one, when I was asked by Scholastic, you know, the age was perfect because they said basically elementary school through middle school. But since you've seen it, I, I think you can say that even adults can definitely get something from this. I'm getting something um, from it. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't learn things the first time out. Yeah, the same thing. It's, it's a great reference book, you know, and it's set up beautifully. And, and again, the illustrations by Julie McLaughlin and the charts and the infographics are great. Yeah. Um, and the coolest thing for me as a first time author was as I was writing it in my Word document and typing every day on the computer, all I saw was the edits coming back and forth. And, and to get the copy that you just had in your hand, I got pretty much a 90% version sent to me via, you know, the mail through Scholastic. Now, I still had a few pictures that were missing, but to see it like come alive on the pages was just so exciting. You know, the, the pride, I, I was I was in tears when I saw it because, yeah. you know, you go from just this, uh, I, I can even use the word like binary, just letters and, and, and numbers right. on a page to this gorgeous illustrated, you know, book on civics. And I was so proud of it that I couldn't wait to share with my friends and family. And because I kept it pretty yeah. secret. It took about five months to complete and only really my family and a few close friends, even colleagues, knew about it. And when then when it finally um, debuted on like Amazon, like ready for, you know, it was, I think it was March, but it was going to be ready in September. And actually it was, it was on there like for sale, pre-sale. And then I had that copy. I was able to sort of do them both together. And people were like, dude, you've been writing a book. And I'm like, yeah, I have. It's, it's, and they're like, this is awesome. I'm like, thank you. I think it is too. So yeah, it was, it was really gratifying. Plus I'm a visual learner. So mm -hmm. in order for me to grasp certain things, I have to kind of see it mapped out. Like what was it? Um, uh, what is that? You know, that cartoon show about teaching about conjunction, junction. And, yes, yes. Uh, uh, Schoolhouse Rocks. Schoolhouse Rock. Like yes. that was how I learned. Right. Visual. Yeah. And that's, and that's what's been really hard for us as educators right now is because, I mean, I'm teaching virtually right now on, at my school. And you're right. There's so many kids that are visual learners. And, and I'm lecturing every day like this, talking to them. And I'm trying to obviously use graphs and charts and, and near pods mm -hmm. and PowerPoints and everything else, but it's different. Cause even in school, when I have a, you know, let's say a PowerPoint, I'm doing something, I'm still writing all over the board and I'm still yeah. acting things out. And I'm, so, I mean, to be able to do that again, you're right. There's so many different ways to learn that we, again, that's all, that's all new for us too. Sure. Because back in the day, it was just the teacher up there dictating to you and you were there with your notebook and you moved on when we were, we were kids and all that has changed now. And, and thankfully most of us, in the education field have adapted to those new methods of learning, but it's been very trying during the pandemic to, to sort of, you know, be able to do that with 35 kids in a classroom and you're just staring at their faces that you right. barely, you have no real relationship with them no, either, which no. is the worst part of all this. It is. Now, do you require cameras on? Uh, not all the time. We're not allowed to. Oh. Um, most, most of the time, uh, because they say, you know, you don't know who's going to, even though we have much, a lot of security, mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to happen or who's going to pop in a screen or if a kid's going to give, okay. you know, but, I, I would say probably about a quarter to a half have their cameras on in my class on test days always. Okay. Whenever we do discussions, which is a lot, and I put them in like rooms together, mm -hmm. then I require them to put their cameras on because I figure if you're discussing something, I want to be able to look you in the eye and talk to you as opposed to just stare at your initials all day. But it does become frustrating sometimes when you're literally just staring at 35 AIs and JFs and JBEs and it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's strange. Right. Are they sleeping? 
Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Then, and that's been a difficult part. I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of my colleagues off the ledge because they'll call me during their planning and they're like, you know, I called on Jeff in class and he wasn't there and I kept calling him and I know he was in another room or he's he gaming somewhere. And I, I'm like, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you just gotta, right. you know, hope that they're there and try to keep them engaged. But it's no different than class. When we're in class, I look down and the kid's got his phone out under his desk and he's right. texting and you just say, come on guys, let's... Uh, Exactly. Give me another, give me another 10 minutes. Cause it's, it's, again, it's the, I call this the generation that, that like can't be alone. They, they can't walk three feet without their, without their cell phone. And the, know. you know, remember the video of that kid who like walked into the fountain at the mall. Yeah. I mean, these kids just, they can't, I know. they have no introspective moments anymore. And that's really a shame because again, they're afraid to be by themselves. And I'm even guilty of it. Sometimes I find myself maybe sitting at dinner by myself and I try all right, Jeff, just sit here and nope. And then next thing you know. It's an um, addiction. It's it is. Soothing... It truly is. And we were lucky enough not to be born with it, but they have been born with it. So, right. you know, these kids from a lot of them from age like eight or nine, and it's become frankly a babysitter for parents. And I am as, yeah. as a parent of two young ones, I don't fault them either because sometimes I'm, I'm happy that my kids are watching like decent YouTube videos about cooking or something, because then, you know, it gives me an hour break myself. So mm -hmm. as much as you know, you want to be in their lives all the time. It is, a, you know, a pseudo babysitter that, that parents, unfortunately, maybe have taken too much advantage of. And let me ask you this. When you were in person, did you have a no phone policy? Like it has to go in your we, backpack? We, we did, but that changed after the event at our school. Oh. Um, because, because of the PTSD of our kids, we have to allow them to keep their phones on their, on their desk now. Because God forbid, if, it, if something happens or an alarm goes off, they have to be able to reach out to their loved ones to sort of feel secure but before that yeah we said you know essentially um we never took them from them but if a kid took it out i would just take it put it on my desk drawer for the period then hand it back to him as he as he or she left sure so, yeah. yeah uh so back to your book before we wrap up what yes. are some key things you would like people to know about your book i, I think they should i mean obviously the end of the book where we talk about activism um and, and that goes for everybody i mean people think just because you're like nine you can't participate and that's not true at all you can you can volunteer for campaigns you can create websites you can get your parents to engage um and, and really I, I just like them to use it again i mean that all these things that have happened the last couple of months with covid and with the supreme court uh, nomination and with the electoral college i can't tell you how many messages i've got from friends of mine that are my age or older that keep saying like we're using your book as a reference to explain this to us i was trying to explain to my wife the electoral college and then i read her your four pages and now she's good and i'm like awesome so ju just to have it you know like a coffee table book as you know a how to how civics works i mean it, it's not yeah. political it's not bias it's just lays out in front of you you know with some fun facts thrown in as well uh, uh, what what goes on, why it happens, and then ultimately how you can be involved in the political process. I think it's great, and especially like I had said, and you had said for adults, when their kids ask them a question, you know, this is something handy they can just turn to and go, oh, that's what that is. And absolutely, as, as opposed to Googling it, this has the explanation, this has the picture. Yes. It, yeah, absolutely. It's great. Where can people find out more about you and your book? Uh, the book is available on, on all Oh, well, it's Amazon, Target, Scholastic. Uh, myself, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Jeff Foster MSD. Um, and you can reach out to me anytime. I love to talk politics with people I know and people I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, but, yeah, that's, that's it. I, I appreciate uh, you having me today and I appreciate the support for the book. Absolutely. Absolutely.